Welcome to the Bling Tea Talk Show. I am your hostess, Chandra, aka Cara Jones, of Cara Jones Unlimited LLC, performing arts company. Today, I am so excited to have with me as a featured guest, my good friend, Mrs. Regina Heidi Jackson Johnson. She is the founder of RJ The Giving Tree. Help me welcome her. Hey girl. Hi. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I um I'm so excited that we're finally here getting this done. It's been on our calendars for a minute, right? Yes, it has. And we've been trying to connect at least since I moved to Vegas last, um, well, two August ago, August 2019. Remember that? Yes. <laughs> We're not no. going to go there today. Exactly. <laughs> we don't want to go there. But no. it was, as they say, a nice stint for me. But I'm excited to talk to you, Regina, about this wonderful for-profit organization that you have uh, established. Why don't you give us some of the history, how you got into social services, involved with mental health, and meeting the needs of those with food insecurities? Hey, great. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Absolutely. Chandra. It is definitely a pleasure. Hi. What, um, well, I'll start with this. I believe I was destined for this to happen because as a child, I grew up in a home with a mom that was um, that battled substance abuse. And during those times, it took a big hit on our family. And I come from a family of seven. And by the time her substance abuse had manifest to its highest peak, I was the oldest in the house at the time. Okay. So I had to take on the responsibility of helping her with my younger siblings. I think my sister was around like two years younger than me, but she was around 14 and my youngest brother was around three at the time. Okay. And we had lost everything and we had become homeless. And I remember feeling as if um, I always still wanted to be with my mother, but I didn't understand how we got lost and slipped through the cracks. And that stayed with me for a long time because I had to go through my high school years you know, and I think we had an aunt that came and took us in one time. Okay. She, when she took us in, at that time, I had been gone too long. You know how when you're in the streets, you're 13 years old, you're, you know, your mom is doing her thing, you have to join her. There were times we didn't even have um, lunch money and bus money. So when she used to go out to do what she needed to do to obtain her, her habits, I used to have to go with her because if I'm with her, then I can get gas money, you know, for us for school for the weekend, wow. food for my, my siblings and I. So when we lost everything, we had moved in with my aunt for a few weeks. And okay. it was it was kind of heart hurtful because I kind of felt that people were using us because my mom would give them money for us, but our needs weren't met. So I used to always tell myself I felt like the Cinderella story. So we would stay with them and my mom would go out and she would make sure she get money, give it to my aunts and give it to the family, you know, give it to them. But I'd never seen it get poured into my sibling and I. So I used to have to go work at McDonald's. So one day I found her. She was living in an abandoned building um, on the north side of Chicago. So I found out where she was staying. 
and where all the other drug users were staying. It was like basically a trap house. Okay. So I found this trap house she was living in, and I moved in with her. So you get, I'm like, I got to go. I, I've been grown too long. You can't tell me to go to bed at 8. I got to get my sister and brother ready. I got to go to school the next day. I got to get a job. We've been surviving from age 13 to 16. You can't tell me to go turn to clean the bathroom. Excuse me. You know, so it was hard. And I'm sitting up here. We're hungry at nighttime. And I'm like, what a food. They, they, I was like, okay. So I would take my mom's money and put it in my socks. So it's weird that she was on drugs, but she was a, she was a good provider. So okay. she would bring us money, whatever she did to make a living for us. She would give it to us. I would stick it in my sock. So when people were like, your mother not giving us any more money, you know, my aunt was like, she ain't giving us any money. You the said? last time she did, we didn't see it. So I would go to sleep with the money in my sock and stuff and just, you know, chip off what we needed to survive. So I, I, I think money lasted at the most about three weeks there. So when I went to move into the trap house with her, it was like, um, it was it was a lot of substance abuse was living there, but at this time I think that she had gotten a, a, a drug dealer, and he started staying there and he started dealing out of the house. So sometimes we would have instances where the police would kick the doors down. I've seen them mistreat my mom. You know, it was really kind of um, scary. But I still rather be there with her, and I didn't want to go to like I didn't even know about orphanage. But at my at my age, all you remember as a kid is the orphanage. You know, like oh, you go to home with all these kids, and you know. And I was like, well, we can't go there, not knowing that if had I known better, going to, you know, maybe foster care would have helped us. It was better than staying there, you would think. But knowing knowing what I know, it wasn't dysfunctional at this time because by this time we're way into years. We don't lost our play. We just in survival mode. So when I go to school with the rest of my siblings. My sisters and I, we didn't, that's what we knew. You know, we didn't tell people in school or anything, but we right. survived. So prom came. And I like to tell this story in particular is because when you think of a trap house, you're thinking about drugs and drug users and all of these people. For these became my family, you mm -hmm. know? So I have a sister off in the military. I have two brothers in jail. And my other sister is getting hired with my mother. Wow. So it's so, like, let me noticed. ask you a question. Just so... And I want to make sure I heard you correctly. So before you moved into the trap house, when your mother disappeared, you had seven siblings or six siblings. There were seven of you total, seven children. Seven of us total. Okay. So when you became of age and you were still in high school at 18, right? You um, I was yeah, 16. It started when I was 13. My freshman year, I was going from eighth grade into high school when I found out she was on drugs. Okay. But it all fell apart when I was 16. Oh, so at 16, when she had placed you with relatives, auntie or whomever, you was like, no, no more, because they're they're not taking care of us either. Did I hear you right? Yep. Okay, so that's when you went and found your mama, and you decided to live with her in the trap house. Mm -hmm. Is it T-R-A-P as in Paul Trap Trap House? Yeah, it was, uh, well, today they call it Trap House to be like women, but it was basically her and maybe, it was just, a, it was like a, it wasn't a drug house at that time, but it, it was like, say you have an apartment and you get high and then your buddy's hanging over. Because our house was a trap house up until we lost our house. Okay. We had different prostitutes. She had a prostitute boyfriend. He used to bring his prostitutes over. You know, it was really, that's just what we knew. We've, it's just what I knew. And then okay. my boyfriend at the time, he would stay with me so that I can um, feel a little safe. 
for you. you know, so he would stay there. And then when my brothers got locked up and my sister was strung out with my mother, when we lost everything, I was underage. I would go, I remember going to pay the rent, going to pay the lights. I tried to keep up all the expenses as much as we can. But I think when she dated this pimp, he ended up, it's so sad, he ended up trying to throw one of the prostitutes out the window. So I had to catch her. My sister, I got a leg. My sister got an arm. We're like, Ugh. So I guess somebody must have reported us. So that was the last time I remember being stable. Because a few months after that, I remember just being homeless. So I believe that was the incident that got us removed from our place. So that's you know, I remember you posted on Facebook, maybe it was last year or the year before, you and your now husband took a trip home to Chicago and you took a picture outside of this tall, like brown, red brick building and you said, this is where I used to live. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, that was the last time I was stable. Okay, and so what floor did y'all live on that they were trying to throw somebody out the window? <laughs> That was actually, um, that was after that place. That was the last okay. time I was stable. And then we, um, they sold that place. That's, that was all of my good childhood memories. Okay. That was before the drugs and all of that. And then the drugs hit and then the trap house hit. Okay. So they sold that building and made it like condos. So we all moved out. And then that's when I think my mom's stuff just starts spiraling. Cause after that, you start seeing people that you would know your mother would never date. You'd be like, whoa. But they were always kind. Good. I was going to ask you, was there, you know, first of all, do you remember how she even got into the drug situation, into substance abuse? You know, it's weird. I never told this story to nobody except um, I may have told told it to my my husband, Mm -hmm. my first husband when I was younger. I remember um, one time I was in my mother's bedroom and we were playing cards. Because my mom used to make us watch like um, old movies together and stuff in mm-hmm. her room. So we used to camping out at the foot of her bed. And um, sometimes I'd be like, play cards to me. Let's play cards. And I remember us playing cards one time. And um, she fell asleep while playing cards. And she did like a, and her head hit the table. And I'm like, <gasps> and then she wouldn't like get it together. And I'm like, oh my God, my mom. And the the part that scared me the most was my dad called. My dad, you know, he just randomly called. He called and I'm like, oh my God, my mom is 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 is, is nodding off and she's hitting her head. And he told me to get her up right now and take her to the shower. Mm-hmm. I remember taking her to her shower. She had a sandy and shower in her room and I put the water on her and everything. He told me what to do and walked me through it. So I believe it was then that it was that it was really she's there. And it was in the house that I posted. That was the house I posted. Oh, that okay. was when it all just went down. And I didn't know what that was. So I just did it and did what my dad said. Okay. So, so it was crazy. eventually after that down that was, was about 14. 14. And so y'all went through this downward spiral, like, like you said, where you ended up with your relatives, extended family. But when you became 16, you decided... You didn't want to stay with them anymore. You was going to be with mom in the trap house. Oh, it was um, actually, I was 16. So when I, um, I was around 16 years old, I remember because I had a job and I was working at a McDonald's and then we all had to move in with my aunt, my sister and my, my little brother. And I had to move in with her. And after we moved in with her, it was very short lived, like a few months. Like I only stayed there a few months, but I left them there. I moved to the trap house. And what I would do is I would sleep at the trap house, but I would get up like four 
get myself dressed and I'll go get my brother, get him dressed and my sister, I will take them to school and then I go to school. And I did that till I graduated high school. And then all the people that lived in the trap house, like prostitutes and all of them, they bought me like some stockings. They got my Aww. hair done. They got my nails done for prom. Aww. You know, I, so I ran into my dad and um, he had $80 on him. So he gave my boyfriend's mother $80 and they made me a prom dress the night before prom. So I missed school, stay night at her house. Mm-hmm. She made me a dress that night. My husband, she made him a jacket and we both went to prom. His dad let us use the job, I mean the car. And the prostitutes and all of them were outside and they helped me get dressed. And they were like, <laughs> they, they took me to the store the day before and they bought me, they stole like some Carefree Curl products so my auntie can get me a curl because my auntie was in um, cosmetology school. Okay. So they, they stole like Carefree Curl stuff and the little rods to do my hair. So we stole all, she stole all that. I took that to my auntie house. She did my hair, cut it and everything. <laughs> and then this one prostitute, she was um, she was pretty, she was wealthy, but she was one of those really wealthy people, but she was strung out on drugs that she come from a rich family, but she can boost real good. So she took boost. me to the mall. Her and the other prostitute took me to the mall. They used to, there's one prostitute, she used to dress back in the 60s, like with a poodle skirt. And I used to call her senior citizen, what I used to call her, the senior citizen team. You know, <laughs> always have fun. So they were like, come here, we finna do this. So I always like to call it the Cinderella story. Like when the, when the birds and stuff made her a necklace and they made her all the stuff and she came out and went to the ball. But yeah. that's exactly what they did. So they took me to a mall and they sold me some shoes, some stockings. And they told me, they said, find out what you want and put it right here. So I told them and then they made me go to the car. And I went to the car and I just sat there. <laughs> and you car. got your stuff. You got your stuff. You got yeah. your stuff. Wait a minute. Wait. Did you take a prom picture? Yeah. That's what's yeah. up. Yeah. You know, we're not, I'm not saying that we are condoning substance abuse. You know, I am a licensed chemical dependency counselor now, right? And um, I'm not saying we condone substance abuse and that whole maladaptive lifestyle and i'm not saying that we condone shoplifting and boosting either i'm not saying that but you know it's like i always say with my lemonade chronicles movement when life gives you lemons what do you do you make lemonade so that was your lemonade girl (laughs) you went to the hate when i tell people the story because it's supposed to be sad but it was what i knew and they uh-huh. got me on prom. They paid for my prom tickets and everything. But you know? you know what? I'm glad you shared that story, Regina. And I thank you for your ability to be transparent, right? Because storytelling is um, a very common um, coping strategy, intervention technique in mental health counseling. You know, you work in that arena too. And so it, it often provides not only information to those of us who hear it, but it provides a form of release or coping for the person who shares their story or their testimony in your case, because yeah, it might've been a not so good situation, but you- It's my story. It's your story. It's your story, number one. But the people who were involved in the substance abuse and addiction were not so incoherent 
that they did not have feeling and compassion on the child that was around them. So that that says a lot to me because, you know, when I think of trap houses, all I know is what I've seen on TV and in the media. And those people usually appear to be, you know, extremely strung out to the point where they can't handle business or make these type of decisions. They're not trying to help anyone else. They're trying to get their next hit, the next fix, right? So this says to me, they were able to step outside of that whole, you understand yeah. what I'm saying? So that mm -hmm. was a blessing. And, you know, I'm really proud of you. I commend you, you know, God was with you, of course, and your siblings and your mom too. But, you know, I really commend you because you took on the role of an adult at a young age. 16, 14 through 16, taking care of your younger siblings. Yeah, we babysit our siblings, but we don't live one place and go get them where they're living, get them dressed, get them to school, then we go to school, paying the bills for the household, utilities, you know what I'm saying? That's a whole lot of responsibility. How, how did that make you feel? Well, I gotta go back to where it's what I knew, mm -hmm. you know, because when you have seven siblings, we all had to take care of each other all of our lives anyway. Mm -hmm. So some of us would run and pay the bill like after school sometimes. They'll be like, okay, Heidi, you get out at 11. So when you get off, go run and pay the gas bill. I would take this bus to that thing and that bus to that bus, pay the bill, come home. All of us took turns doing that, even as growing up. So even when it became to the point that the other ones went to the military, one was on drugs, the other two was in jail, I had already knew those skills. So mm -hmm. I was still, I was just the oldest taking on a responsibility. So the sad part about it is I thought that was normal. Right. And that's why I feel different today. How I didn't know what I didn't know. You know what I mean? So what for you, it was normal. Mm -hmm. It was called survival. And what you knew is in order for you to stay where you were staying, you needed lights, heat, food, transportation, communication, and you made sure that you had the fundament, those are called the fundamentals of life, the five basic fundamentals. And you took care of it, not only for yourself, but for the whole household. Thank you. No, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you know, because, you know, I watched a movie on LMN, Lifetime Movie Network, a few years back, and there was a young um, girl, uh, homeless to Harvard. I don't know if you saw that, homeless to Harvard. And her mom was strung out on drugs, but she did a lot of the same, you know. But um, for you, that whole experience catapulted you when you became an adult. Tell me how you moved on into your career focus. I think once I graduated from high school, my mom was there. So she came yeah. to my prom, I mean, my high school. Yeah, she was there. She was always present. She just, present. you know, she was just an addict. And she came to my, I remember it was she, it was her, myself, and my brother. They all came to my high school graduation. I graduated across stage with my, with everybody. And right after that, I remember um, two years before that, when I was 16, she had went to jail for boosting and mm -hmm. I met this lawyer. And this lawyer said, get away from your mother as soon as you can. So I, um, she had went to jail for boosting and she had us in the car. And because I was 16, they expected me to turn my mother in. Mm. And I wouldn't turn her in. Mm -hmm. So they was like, you know, um, 
turn your mom in. You should have turned your mom in because you were 16, but you know we're not going to turn our parents in. It's our parents. So I did not. So they took me to jail, too. So okay. I stayed in jail overnight with her at 16. And um, I think at when I graduated high school, that was our last court date. I remember it was right after high school. So we went from 16 to like 17 and maybe two months. So that was the last court date for that act of her going loosened. Because I had stopped going with her because the lawyer said, get away from her, don't ever go again. Okay. She didn't ever make me go with her. So that was good. So I never went with her for like a year, but the case was still pending. Because I think when you're on drugs, you're always trying to put it off, put it off. So by her putting it off so long, I became an adult. So when they wow. sentenced her. When so they wait sentenced a minute, when you her, say an adult, what an age adult. was that? Hmm? What age as an adult? I was 16, but it took us a year and like three months to, to 18. get 18. 18. No, okay. no, no. In Chicago, you're 17. As so, an adult? You were 17? Yeah, 1986, they started a law that instead of 18, Chicago was the first state to adopt an adult at 17. And More that was the year they sentenced my mother. Wow. So I have a felony case to this day. Really? It seems yeah, like you would be able to get that expunged, though, because those were extenuating circumstances. Well, at that time, I didn't know my rights. Okay. So I, I ended up with four years of probation. They didn't make me go to jail. We had went to court, so I think it was right after graduation day. Um, I had just found that I was pregnant. Oh. I was three months pregnant, and then they told me that uh, I know right after high school prom night. <laughs> right after high school, you know, you wait all this time trying to be a good girl to end up a teen mom anyway. It's all so right. We go to court. I find that I'm pregnant, and they sentence her, and the judge. So what saved me was. When the judge, the final judge that sentenced us, his name was Judge DeVito, I'll never forget. I looked up and I saw this name, Judge DeVito. And I took up criminal law in high school. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I know you. And he was like, how you know me, young lady? And I was like, oh, you trialed the Escobedo case in 1976 with the Mexicans came to the United States. And, you know, the, the, it was the state versus the Escobedo family. And you had tried this case and you didn't want these foreigners to um, go to jail. He just tried this case. It was like some illegal immigrants and he really found favor over these people. And I knew this case like really good. So I used to try a lot of the city cases and I got an A in that class. So I don't know how, but I was excellent. So every time I would try these cases in front of my classes, I would beat, I would beat everybody. Right. Okay. So he was like, come back. So he took me in the back of his chambers and then he asked me, he said, what's going on? And then I told him what happened. I was like, my mother, boo, she has a substance abuse problem. He said, well, if you were the judge, what would you do? I said, I wouldn't take her to jail and make her get some help. I told her she should go to a rehab. You should get her some help because it was her and my sister and myself. And I said, I just think she needs some help. And I remember the lawyer told me not to go boosting with her. Don't let her make me go with her anymore. And I did not. But mm -hmm. this case is still going. He said, okay. So I told him he wanted me to admit that she had a problem, I believe. So we go back out front, and he, he senses her to go to rehab, and it was no rehabs available. So he didn't let her back on the street. So he said, I tell you what, I'm going to put you in a holding cell until we find a facility for you. She hasn't been on drugs to this day. She done retired from Chrysler and everything. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What? So yeah. that boosting situation where y'all ended up in jail together overnight got her to rehab and recovery. And she became clean. She got clean. Yep. Never been on drugs. Won't he do it? Yes. She done retired. She's into politics now and everything. 
Yeah, she ended up getting married. Her husband passed away about seven years ago. Okay. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. God, God is amazing. You know, I'm a Christian, so not to offend any of you who may not be, but I know that God is able. He can do anything but fail. He is yeah. still in the miracle working business back then in the 80s, and honey, he is still doing it today. So, you know, yes, for all of My you out there, in the, army, they, she's in the medical field, she served in a war. We all turned out pretty okay. My sister Beautiful. went off. Yeah, she turned 17 when she graduated. She got her, she went to school, she went to be an RN. So now her and her husband are RN. They got about, you know, four or five kids now. My brother ended up getting murdered in 2012, and uh, he went through a lost. real deep depression. And that's what made me name RJ the Giving Tree. It's him, Ramon Jackson. So that's what RJ, that's when I was like, it's time for me to do something. So I turned my business, and I named it after my brother, because that was a big loss, because I feel like I raised him, like he was my child. So I named it after him, and that's where RJ come from. It's Ramon Jackson. Because he went through depression. He never quite got it together with my mo mother and her drugs. And he kind of just always just, we didn't know how to fix us. And my mom didn't know not, how to fix us. Whoa. She knew she was on drugs. But, you know, in our culture, we don't go get therapy. We right. don't go get help. And, you know, whereas with my children today, each one of them, I was on it. On it. You know, and I felt like if my brother had knew and had knew what to do and had the tools, I think he would have been okay. And he finally said, I'm gonna leave this place. I'm gonna go get myself together. And he got murdered the night before he was. And they were just friends fighting and it went too far. He was, but my uncle shared the story. He said he was over my house all the time trying to leave. And he said, I'm gonna leave. So him and his kid's mom decided to get together and he was gonna move out there with her to another city and state. And he got into a fight the night before with a friend, and they murdered him. And that was, like, uh, devastating me. Because he was making up his mind to get life right, you know? And I'm like, mm -hmm. wow, you know? Uh, he ran out of time. It was a lot. Ran out of time. But a lot of good came out of this. You have this wonderful company. And I think when I first uh, met you on Facebook, what I saw is that I'm like, she's always giving out food. It's like, um, what's the, that word, the Feed the Children? You know, I was like, the Feed the Children company, you know, that big organization. So you were working with um, Three Square? Was it Three Square? Yeah, Three Square. We work on the um, Feeding America. Yeah, I used to volunteer. And that's weird because I was working with children like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember yeah. now. Now it's coming back. You, you said that you were volunteering for years or whatever. And then they offered you a job. Mm -hmm. Look because at that. It's like I, I found a whole bunch of kids in a housing project here. Mm -hmm. And they were just really hungry. And I was like, well, I want to feed them and stuff like that. So the, the people that are a friend of mine, they all had nonprofits. And they was like, we should feed kids in the summer. I was like, yeah. You know, that was like 2013. I was like, yeah, let's feed kids. And then 2014, the summertime coming, like, uh, they were just over it. I'm like, no, but, but they, they still hungry. Them. What are they going to in the summer so i called three square and i asked them well my company my friends don't want to do it no more with their nonprofit. can i just still feed kids with you all and they said absolutely so that's how i started so i went to the housing projects and i saw that it was a a need there mm -hmm. and didn't nobody want to feed those kids in a project so they came to me they was like well you have this such this great um 
pleasure, you know, this heart to um, what they say. We love your energy. Are you mm-hmm. afraid to go into the housing projects and feed these kids? I was like, absolutely not. Good for so you. So I went out there and I used the food to like bring them in. So I opened up this building. I got rooms and mops and stuff and I cleaned up. It was like a little, you know how all the projects are in a circle and it's like this right. little bitty building in the middle of the playground. It's locked up and dusty. So I swept all the leaves and stuff. They, The housing, the um, I think it was owned by the city, the county, mm-hmm. and right. they gave me the clean. I opened it. And I cleaned it all up and everything, and I just started feeding kids out of it. The tables were all, like, one leg and all like that. So I had to, like, get them to donate some chairs and stuff like that. It was only, like, two tables. But I was getting more and more kids, so they brought me, like, two more tables. It was really hard. Like, now I see why politicians fight so hard. Like, they need some tables. So I started bringing, like, tables from, like, Walmart and stuff. I bought, like, Mm -hmm. folding tables. I would bring my own. And then I noticed that I wanted to start teaching them how to read. So I used to tell them, I tell you what, let's eat. You know, I feed them for two hours. And then I would use the food to lure them in. I started bringing books. So I went to the local library and started getting them to donate books. Because sometimes they'll sell books for like 10 cents, 5 Mm -hmm. cents. So I would do that. And so I started letting the kids rent the books and bring them back just to get them to read and stuff. I said, so rent the books for free. I let them sign it out. They'll sign a little signature, bring the book back. And we'll discuss the books. So then um, my daughter was in a basketball camp and we had these little workbooks that teaching them about money, how to exercise, how to eat well. So I asked them to donate the books to the kids. So they donated me like 75 books to the kids. Wow. So what I did, yeah. So every kid had their own book. So I went and bought like a label maker and I put their name on it and I would get some pencils and pens and a little basket from Walmart. So I would give them a book every day and I collect them every day. So we would work the whole book the whole summer. So after we worked the book the whole summer, I would give them toys. So I was like, I tell you what, everybody who comes to the summer and you eat and you do my workbook, I bring you toys for Christmas. So that's when what? I call toys for tots. So all the kids who um who work Girl, with me, you're blowing me away. You're huh? blowing me away. This is such oh, a really? beautiful story. I didn't know how it all connected. Now I'm learning. Yeah, and yeah, so I would keep track. So every time the kids come. They have to get a star, and they'll put a sticker on each day they come. So if your sticker made 50% of the summer, you got free toys. They didn't know all of us getting toys. Mm-hmm. But if your kid at least came half the summer, I would give them toys. Some kids was only in town because the daddy had them for, you know, two, three mm-hmm. days a week. So we still get everybody toys, but it was inexpensive. So Toys for Top ended up donating all these toys to me. So what I did was came back around Christmas when I had all of my friends make a dish like I make dressing somebody make dinner. I have dinner for them and then they all come in they pick up their toys and we'll give them dinner and then we'll have a DJ there one of the one of the moms she was a DJ trying to be a DJ in the project uh-huh. so she would do the DJ her and her boyfriend and then I went I found this place that make my daughter's uniforms for her Catholic school okay. so they made my t-shirts with TGT on it and we all had yeah. so that's how we did that it was like the same people that make my daughter's uniform made us some shirts and stuff. So everybody chipped in like 25, 50 bucks. And I got us all some shirts made with my logo. My son made the logo because, you know, you know, I couldn't afford a graphic design. And my son graduated from school to be a graphic designer. So I asked him to make the logo. So he made a logo for me. I sent it to the t-shirt place. And then we just gave the kids, you know, toys. And after that, I just decided to do it annually. So somebody told me about two years after that, like 2016, they were like, why don't you have a business. Where's your website? Where do we go to know who you are? I was like, website? (laughs) 
It's like you don't have a website or a company. I was like, no. So somebody told me about this place called Silver Phone. So my, one of my best friends, she took me to this website. She said, so she came over to the place where I feed the kids and we brought our laptops. And she signed me up on Silver Sloan and place, got my license. And it doesn't cost me any money as long as I'm not generating money. So that's why I always say I want to be nonprofit. I just don't know how. So I'm still working at it. But it just didn't cost me nothing to just have that, that business. So I just went on Silver Sloan and I've been doing it every year. And I just have my license. And that's what I do. I just get donations from my friends and myself. And we just make it happen every year. What is the name of this organization again? Silver who? Silver Flume is um, Silver Flume is our for the state of Nevada to get your business license. Mm. So you go to silverflume.com. I register my name with them, and it's, I just have a business license for free. When you're not making money or generating money, it's free to have your business license. So I just been doing that every year, and now people are telling me, "Why don't you become nonprofit?" I was like, "Okay." So yeah, now you, I'm need to, to you need that. You really, you know, because the work that you're doing, I work with a lot of nonprofits in my prior career in finance, accounting, and actually after I semi-retired with CPN Associates, my um, professional business consulting firm, there are so many grants that you could get, Regina. So we're going to have to talk off, offline, and um, I want to connect you with some good friends of mine, Dr. K, and at home in California. She's close out there to you. Um, so that you can find out, get your nonprofit established, you know, through the IRS is the work that you're doing. Girl, there's so many grants. And then if those children and or their parents, you know, the parents have any type of substance abuse issues, there's SAMHSA grants. There's all kinds of grants that you probably can take advantage of. Um, I mean, I'm a grant writer. Wow, that's really you know, okay. yeah. So I want to connect you with some people. You know, we we um, we're almost out of time, but I saw where most recently I wanted to participate in the Zoom that you had. You did something very innovative during the pandemic. I saw you make a post. It had to be in early February. No, it was the end of January, I believe, and you had a beautiful post about um, the reading the bedtime stories via Zoom. Tell us about the bedtime stories during Black History Month. Okay, every year with my kiddos, um, I would volunteer at the Boys and Girls Club and I would have people like you come out and you know, establish black people that done their thing, you know, because I, I admire educated people too. And I, I like you guys to I don't come know out about all that. Too. Oh my God. <laughs> Even if you want, I just feel like everybody have a story right. and I would have you guys come out there and they would read to the kids. And um, after they've done reading to them, I would donate the book. So we'll raffle it off. Like who's ever there, I raffle off a book to get them to read. And every year I would do that. And then I would cook with them for 30 minutes and I would read to them another 30 minutes. So these programs used to overlap each other. So this year I decided to combine the two. So since it's the pandemic and we can't see them, I decided to do a virtual bedtime story. So what I do is I send all the kids this little art. I send them some little arts and crafts in the mail and they get them and the parents are supposed to hide them into the night of the story. Uh -huh. So the night, 15 minutes before we start, it has a, they get a bag of popcorn. It's a little care package that I give them. So they get this little care package with popcorn. It has like scratch art in it. It's like black little things. And you take like this wooden stick 
and you decorate it. And when you decorate it, it becomes colorful. So they would do all of this. It's really cute. It's really quite adorable. So they would decorate this. And while I'm reading, when we're done, they will all do art together. And then we'll post our art that we did. Like we did Black History Month, but because it was February, I sent them all Valentine's little hearts. Aww. And then like this year, this week, I've been mailing them all Easter eggs because the next one is going to be March 27th. So I read the story to them and then I raffle it off. So I have a bowl with everybody's name. So whoever register in time, I put their name in a bowl and I raffle it off and I give away the book. I raffle off that book to them and then I raffle off two more gifts and then I raffle off three gifts to the parents. So the parents get to win too. So there's a bowl yeah, for the parents and a bowl for the kids. And we have this night where everybody can participate. And then like next month, we're having superhero night. So we're, I'm sending them all some capes with some masks. So we're all going to have bedtime stories next month. With capes and masks. I got me Wonder Woman, though. So we all going to have a mask and capes, and we all just join in and stuff like that. So the first 24, their register gets a cape and a glass, you know, and a mask. And then we're going to have, like, a flash night day where I send them all flashlights. So it's very interactive, and it keeps them interested. Right. And so it was only supposed to be for Black History Month, but the parents loved it. Love it. So everybody, like, so I'm, I'm going to try to get creative the next few months. I'm only going to do it up until May. Let me ask you a question. So these capes, these crayons, these coloring books, who pays for all this? I do. Yeah. You know, God is going to tremendously bless you. And, you know, if there's somebody who's watching this, you know, on YouTube, on Instagram, because, you know, it's going to be IGTV, who's listening on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Breaker, Radio Public. If you're listening and you hear this story that Regina's sharing about RJ, the giving tree, this wonderful business that she has established to work with, is it okay to say um, communities that may not have access to resources. I don't like to use the word underprivileged. I don't like to use the word marginalized, but to people who may not have access to resources that others may have. If you want to donate to her, if you want to sponsor some of these awesome events, and I'm sure with that creative mind that she has, she has so many more up there that she wants to implement. How can they reach you, Regina? How can we, we, reach you? Oh, great. Thank you. i like for you guys, if you can, um, i like people to email me. It's a lot easier. And my email is rjthegivingtree at gmail.com. rjthegivingtree.com. rjthegivingtree at gmail.com. Or you can go to my website, which is www dot rjthegivingtree.com and it has my phone number you can you can go on there to a link to email me and everything so and then you can see a lot of what I'm doing so everything we're discussing is actually on my website I try to keep yes. up posting you know the Christmas toys and all the events yes. and- your website is very well organized and it's most informative I did go all through it myself when you shared it with me. Now, people probably want to follow you on social media outside of your website. So how can they follow you 
on Facebook. Your okay. business. So on Facebook. Yes, on Facebook. Actually, I just got it going about two weeks ago, and it's linked to myself. So even if you go to my Regina Heidi Jackson website, it's quicker. Somehow or another, you can find me quicker through Regina Heidi Jackson. Mm -hmm. But it's also linked with um, RJ The Giving Tree. I tried this three, four times over the past few years, and I got it right two, three weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> so I think you can actually just type in RJ The Giving Tree. So right. I'm going to try to transfer everything over to that as much as I can. Okay. So that way you have both. Good. Now, you and I are also um, friends, mm -hmm. co-followers, excuse me, my nose is itching, so somebody must be coming during this pandemic, but we are friends on Instagram. How do people follow you on Instagram? It's the same thing on Instagram. It's at RJ the Giving Tree as well. Awesome. Awesome. And you are physically, your business is physically in Las Vegas, Nevada. Yes. So the I city am. of sin has a lot of good coming out of it. Okay. We changing that though. And that's what I like too, because when people think of Las Vegas, they think of all of that. So I like it when we can shine all the other stuff we do. Like, yes. guess what? There's actually humans here. <laughs> yes. And you know, another thing I wanted to mention, that's why I thought your business was a nonprofit already, because when I looked at the events that you have sponsored, there were a lot of um, other companies too that worked with you. You collaborated. And you know, a nonprofit, that's a big thing. And, and I try to tell people as an entrepreneur myself that when you can work with people and work with other entities, it makes it um, sometimes a lot easier because two, you know, is better than one. You have more access to resources and you don't have to do all that running around yourself. But like me and you, we pretty much run our companies ourselves. Am I right? And so yes. when you find people like you find found, pardon me, that you can work with, you can trust and you're like-minded, you know, and you can reach your goals and not just talk about them. I'm like totally over the moon with you over the moon, because that's a wonderful thing. That's a wonderful thing. So I just wanted to, you know, acknowledge, I saw like with the last um, toy giveaway you had, there was a woman barber who, you know, participated. Then I saw two young men, they had a truck and they, I forget the name of their business, but I did follow them on Instagram because the work that you guys are doing is much needed, first of all, and is very philanthropic. This is all philanthropy at this point, you know, and you are making a great, tremendous sacrifice. And, you know, I want, I want the people to know something else about Miss Regina Heidi Jackson Johnson. This is her company, but you know, the thing that also warms my heart about how you do this, your family has been involved. Your daughter has been involved. Your husband has been involved. I see where your husband, he's out there helping to feed the kids. He had on a chef's apron, you know? And when you go and do this, he's right there by your side. When you, I saw you with boxes, huge, big boxes, big boxes of food. And they were right there with you, your daughter. It's a family affair. It's a family thing. That's beautiful. That is just so beautiful. And I applaud you all. I applaud you and your beautiful family. The support system that you have is out of this world. Thank you so much. It's beautiful and it's most commendable, you know, and 
I'm sure that there's going to be some other, um, some people who want to talk to you, Regina, okay. about working with you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, probably even some mentoring. Are you amenable to that? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Well, before we close out, did you want to give out any shouts? Did you want to say anything to your followers, future followers? I would like to say thank you all. And thank you, first of all, Chandra, for this platform. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm very humble. As you can yes. see, I'm very yeah. humble. You are. I thank you all for everything, but more than like you're saying, my family is everything. My cousins, yes. my sisters, everybody who just loves collaborating with me, all of those who come out of their pockets and donate a book or two for my kiddos. And it really helps my family because I know I'm probably killing my husband like it you go. <laughs> but my husband has been one of my biggest supporters. And, it's, and I say that because my cousins and my sisters and all of them play the same part, but my husband is living it every day. Right. And my children, like you're saying. So I really thank my whole family, all of my best friends. And, oh, my God, you just don't know from, I, I don't want to mention names because I may forget someone that will hurt me, but everybody who know me, they know who I am and you know who you are. And I mean well if I don't mention your name. But thank all of you because I can't not do it without all of you. One last question I have for you because um, I heard you say you have some upcoming um, events and you wanted to um, give out. You plan to mail out some more supplies for the bedtime stores. So if people want to make donations to you, uh, monetary or even commercial, what type of donations, commercial donations do you need? What's a big help to you? Wow, it's, I've never received money. I usually just have people, like money come from like my sisters, mm -hmm. my cousins, gotcha. my family. I but I, I never usually take cash outside of my family. Mm -hmm. And most of my family just cash app it to me. So um, I'm thinking, usually if they do money orders, money orders or cash app, that's the most I can do. Or you can just actually, I can tell you where to get. Like I've actually had people that would, like for Christmas, all those bags you saw that were in the mm -hmm. toys, right. I actually had those people that were on my banner. They just bought the bags and had them shipped to my house. Right. And so, so that's that way what people I'm saying. Know. So that's yeah, I would like- Commercial products. Like, do you need books? What do you need? What, what, what can people help purchase for you to mail out to these kids? So basically right now, our next project, we're gonna need like some little mini fast flashlights because okay. we're gonna, have, you know, we're gonna tell books in the dark. I want to do and the case. The case are, um, they come in a set like on Amazon. They're like um, twenty six or thirty bucks for like a pack of twenty four. So this you is know, something like that you'll that. post on your website so that people who are interested in donating can just purchase them, and you'll have the information on there where to have them sent to you. How that'd be good. Okay. That's okay, what I'm, I'm getting at. That's what I'm getting yeah, at. Yeah, okay. I'm new. It's like I'm I'm so used to not asking for anything. I, I know that's not. why and that's why I'm saying this and I'm saying it publicly so that people people are gonna want to help you. This work that you're doing is phenomenal, dear. It's so selfless. And you know, the children are the future. And you know you personally what you went through and i think that's why you're so passionate and empathetic 
you know, with this community, this population, and we don't want to leave any children behind. We don't want to leave anybody behind. So where we can help, we want to help, and you're doing it. So um, Car Jones and Lemon is going to partner with you too, and we're going to get some supplies to you. So I just want to, again, thank you so much for accepting my invitation to interview on my new talk show, Bling Tea Talk Show, under the umbrella of the Unfiltered with Car Jones Unlimited LLC podcast that I established in, what, 2019. And um, we look forward to working with RJ in the Giving Tree and you, Mrs. Regina Heidi um, Jackson Johnson. You got a whole lot of names, girl. <laughs> but you know what? I got them. I got them. So thank everybody you. Everybody knows me by Regina as an Regina? adult, but everybody knows me as Heidi as a kid. So okay. I didn't want high school friends and people to catch up with me. They don't know me by Regina. Okay. Like, well, this is Heidi, y'all. And for the yeah. rest of y'all, it's Regina. <laughs> For me, she's gorgeous Vegas. <laughs> but don't y'all go there. That's that's between me and her. Don't don't even do it. So we're gonna sign off again. I thank you. Um, I I I send voluminous blessings, prayers of blessings your way, and I know that God is going to hear my prayer because I I know that this is the type of work and ministry that He is about. So. Thank you, my sweet. Continue to take good care of yourself. And you know, you do a lot of running, so I want you to do your self-care too. I know you get your little me time in, I be seeing it. You know, but take care of yourself and take care of hubby. I see y'all taking care of each other and baby girl is off to college now, but just keep doing what you're doing, Re Regina, it's phenomenal. Thank you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Signing off by way of Houston, to Las Vegas, Nevada. We'll see you next Bye. time. Thank you. You're welcome.